in this series on Revelation, obviously we're going to be getting into the Word, and uh, it's important that we understand this book in context to all of the Scriptures. This is the one where you get a blessing that you, if you read it. Ironically, it's probably the most confusing book in the Bible. So, so we're going to dig in. We're going we're gonna to be blessed. And there's, a, there's different parts of our brain that receives information. We receive information through study and knowledge and, and gaining wisdom. But did you also know that you can receive wisdom from a song? So I could preach at you guys all day long. I could teach into Revelation. I could put up graphs and diagrams. You might get it intellectually, but you might not get it spiritually. That's the power of music. And so my intention is that we're going to dig into the book of Revelation, but we're also going to hear songs of the apocalypse. So Landon's going to sing us a song. Just let it seep in. Learn through osmosis. Learn through the spirit of the song by the great sage Johnny Cash. <laughs> There's a man going round taking names. He decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and each sup. Will you partake that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing, multitudes are marching to that giant Let him be righteous still. 
Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around, Thank you, Landon. Wasn't that fun? A little heavy, huh? Let me get my little stand. Now, I could spend an entire series just trying to attempt to interpret that song. <laughs> just, the, just the words and the, and the lyrics of that song, it would take me months to splice it all together. But in the end, the number one point is the man comes around. We'll be looking at uh, different perspectives on Revelation. There's a, there's a whole bunch of them. So we'll be spending some time looking at the different perspectives. I'll give you my opinions on some of them. On how the end is going to unfold. But the center of it all, the truth of it all, the, the thing that we cannot disagree on is that Jesus is coming back. Amen. So that's the truth, and that is the heart of Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus, and it is the revelation of things to come, the unfolding of the end of times. The more that we see things going on in the world, the more I am convinced that we are at least in the birth pains of the end of days. Now, I don't, we, we may or may not see this come. We may or may not be, you know, zapped off the planet like those movies. I, I'm not sure. That could happen. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll go through a tribulation. But we are there. We're, we're, at, the, we're, at, we're at the cusp of it. So maybe we don't see it, or kids or grandkids most likely will. That, so this is why we kind of need to dig into this. We need to prepare, we need to teach, we need to be blessed. And in my opinion, Revelation is not, it's not a book of Nostradamus so that we can have control over the future. It's a, it's a book to give us encouragement that God's got this and that he wins and that there is 
a bigger picture of what is going on. And that is the heart of today's message, that we need to get a big picture of what's really going on. Revelation is going to unfold and unpack, in some cases, in detail, of how things end. The end of the world, the creation of the new heavens and the new earth, like, it gives us some very pointed details of what is going to take place. And it's a little scary, but it's also very exciting at the same time. But in order for us to get a healthy understanding of what's going to take place at the end, we need to know what happened at the beginning. So that's today's message. It's like, what in the world happened at the beginning? So it's alpha and omega. It's the beginning and the end. It's all put together. You can't have the book of Revelation without Genesis and vice versa. And you can't have Revelation with all the bits in between. And you definitely can't have the book without the Gospels, without Jesus. The whole thing is centering on and around him. Do you have a favorite movie that has a flashback scene? All right, think about, think about a movie, and in order for the movie to make sense, in order for you to get the big picture, you need to know the backstory, right? You know, why, why is this person so screwed up? Or why, or why are they in this situation? Or why are they super rich? Like, we don't know, we don't have all the pieces together. And so somewhere in the middle of a movie, they're going to they're gonna give us a flashback. Uh, I was asking for some examples, and I got, um, I got Infinity War. How, how many people have seen Infinity War? <laughs> These nerds right here have. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, so Infinity War is one of these Marvel movies, and um, you know one of the one of the heroes, and she's kind of disturbed. She's very angry and intense. She's like that green alien chick, Gamora. Remember her? And like, why is she all jacked up? What's the matter with her? Why is she so intense? And in the middle of the movie, we get a flashback of her childhood and the trauma that she experienced. And then it's like, oh, now it all begins to make sense. The end of the story now makes sense because uh, this backstory has been fulfilled. So we need to look at the backstory. One of the beautiful things about Revelation, and look, I'll be the first to admit, it's confusing at times. And I've been reading it ever since I was a junior high boy. And I was like comparing Revelation with heavy metal music. So I've been into it a long time. I, I still don't understand or, or can make sense of it at times. So it's okay if you don't quite get it. But here's a beautiful bit in the middle of it. Okay, we're going to, Revelation starts off with this incredible vision from John the Revelator, John the Apostle, most likely John the Beloved. There's debate on that, but we don't need to get into that. But John has this intense dream this intense revelation like he is almost like he's taken outside of himself and he has revealed the, the things that are to, to come 
and there's a series of seals and lamps and stands and everything. It's just like it is a huge symbolic impression, uh, a dream state, and he's trying to put it all together, and he, and he does an incredible job doing it. In the midst of this, this dream state of everything being unfolded with some very vivid imagery of, of some symbols that are in the Old Testament, and then it ends at the very end with the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, and he's going to wipe away every tear. In the midst of all this story, we have this beautiful insertion, which is a flashback, and it begins to give us and help us to make sense of why there is so much drama going on in this book, why it is so intense, why it is so vivid. So this is Revelation chapter 12. And this is a flashback. Most scholars believe that this passage, this chapter, uh, is referring to things in the past. It's kind of like an insertion to help us to make sense of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Are you guys Okay. You know, this is kind of weird stuff, like weird image, like what in the world's going on? Like there's some kaiju thing coming out. Like is this, is this the Bible or is this Godzilla? What's going on here? Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment that it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness, into a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost the, their place in heaven. The dragon was hurled down that serpent, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God 
day and night he has been hurled down. They trumpeted over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Amen? Amen. Okay. When the dragon saw that all that he had been hurled down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time and a time and a half a time out of the serpent's reach. For from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river that overflowed the woman and swept her away with the torment. But the earth helped the woman by opening up its mouth and swallowing the river and the dragon that spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went, went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. That's us. Those who keep God's commands and those who hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. All right, so this is like a flashback, but it's much more than that. It's, who do you think the woman is? couple of things. It's a very clear representation of Mary and the birth of the Messiah, yeah? And of that whole drama that, that, is, that we are going to unfold in our living nativity. This is, what is, this is what they're highlighting here, and it was what was even foreseen in God's mind as a solution to the fall. He knew how to, he knew, he knew how he was going to make it all work together, and it was through the birth of the Messiah through Mary. We can also look at this story in another way, that this woman is representative of the children of Israel. She's on 12 stars, and she is... Her offspring are going to be attacked by the evil one, and her offspring are a blessing to the earth. So we can also see this story as representative of the people of God, of Israel. And we can also see this story as this woman, well, she is the church. She is the bride of Christ. I think all, th I think... You can do all three. I don't see why we can't. We don't have to be so rigid like it's either this way or that way. Uh, I think it's all three. I think, it's, I think we can learn and glean from it from all different directions. And when does this all take place? What is vivid to me in this is, again, this, well, again, I remember I was a junior high boy. I have a junior high boy still deep down inside of me, so I like dragons. But when did this take place? Did you guys catch like there was a war in heaven? Like when, when did that take place? Or is it going to take place? Again, I believe that this is 
This is a, it's talking about things that happened in the past, this, this setting up the stage. Jesus says in Luke 10, he says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So he has been in heaven once, maybe in the course with the book of Job, not quite sure how that one works. But what we know from the very beginning, when he fell, he was kicked out of heaven. So this is telling us what took place when Satan was kicked out. And when it said that his tail swept away a third of the stars, that is symbolic language. Those weren't literal stars. Those were angels. Angels are referred to as stars at times, and those lights and whatnot. And what he's saying, what the scripture is saying, is that a third of the angelic hosts chose to go with Satan and to wage war on God. You guys okay? Okay, I mean, you can, you can think of this as in, in terms of mythology. You can think of it in terms of it actually happening. That's what you should do. But regardless, there's truth in this. That a third of the angels fell. They, they wanted what Satan had. Now, what did he have? Why was he so seductive to these angelic hosts that had spent, we don't know how long, maybe millions upon millions of years of being in the presence of God and worshiping and giving God praise. Like, angels. With full view and knowledge of who God was. They get swept away and cast down to the earth? Why? Probably the bigger question is, why did Satan fall? Uh, when, did the, when did the fall happen? I mean, I guess you can say that there's two falls. One, there's the, the human fall where those knuckleheads, Adam and Eve, ate the fruit and messed it up for everyone. I wouldn't have done that. Come on. So that was the fall of humanity. But a few months ago, we had some scholars talk, come in and, and do some series on... Um, science and faith uh, with the reasons to believe people and it was great one of the topics was are we alone in the universe so it was great our kids dressed up with tinfoil hats and in space suits it was great it was awesome uh, but that, that question is like are we alone in the universe and, the, the, and this is popular uh, culture right now the whole alien phenomenon you know are there aliens out there is there other life out there on other planets look i don't know like, deep down inside, I want there to be, but I don't know. I, I highly doubt it. But what I can say for certain is that we are not alone in the universe. That there are other created beings with free will and agency, and they're called angels. So we're not alone in this universe. There are other created beings in whom God loves and whom we are in relationship with, whether we realize it or not. Do you know you have, it kind of seems silly, you know, your guardian angel. I, you have a guardian angel. Like, I, I don't know how it all works. I can't, I haven't, I haven't, like, figured out a whole theology of it. I can't defend it biblically that you have a guardian angel. But when you've had an experience with one, it kind of wrecks you a little bit. So I've seen one. I've seen my dad's guardian angel, and it doesn't make sense to me. 
But it was really cool. It was either an angel or an alien. I'm going to choose angel. You want to hear the story? All right. So we came back from a late night church meeting back in the old, old vineyard days when, well, God's doing amazing things here, but there's some amazing things going on back there. It was a long night. You guys are lucky that I only preached three hours today. You guys are so lucky. Because back in the day, church services, back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, church services would go all day long. You guys would be in church for hours and hours, and you would like it. (laughs) Sometimes you'd be in church for hours thinking that you were only in church a few minutes because God had you knocked out on the floor. So anyway, we came in super late, and out in Altaloma before it was developed, we had horses, we had dogs, we had chickens. I had the best life ever growing up, the typical 80s life, you know, riding around on bikes and everything. And so super late, my dad's like, oh, I got to go feed the horses. And as he's walking to feed the horses, and it's late, and there's no street lights, and we're out in the sticks. It's not the sticks anymore, but back then it was the sticks. That's Oki language for, you know, way. And so I'm like looking at my dad walking to go feed the horses late at night. And uh, I'm like, wow, dad kind of got big. I didn't, I'm like, well, dad's not seven foot tall. And dad doesn't glow. And I remember like the footsteps of my dad. I could hear my dad's feet crunching on the, on the ground, on the rocks. And then I could watch this angel's feet walking. And they weren't lined up. And it was, it was like the weirdest sensation I've ever had. It's still powerful to me at this moment. Because like that fear of the Lord rushed into my being. And I'm like, and I just like, I wanted to tell my mom and my mouth opened up. And I couldn't talk. I was like paralyzed. So yeah, I believe in angels. We have some information about our angelic brothers and sisters up there that, are, that have a relationship with the Lord. We know that there are rank, so there's different ranks of angels. There's um, Michael the archangel, and Gabriel the archangel, and Lucifer the archangel, at least those, those three top ones right there, and, and then there's subcategories, and there might be different types Different, different types of angels, seraphim and cherubim and all these. It's, it's kind of cool. We have some images of what they look like, but we don't really know what they look like. Are they pure spirit or can they, are they tangible? I don't know. It seems as if they could be both. There's sometimes, like, you know, I, again, I had the privilege to see something with my eyes. I think if I had the courage enough to run up and touch it, I think it would have been real. But there's other times where you just feel angelic presence. I have this really strange belief that I believe that there are angels holding guard at the four corners of this property. So I want to make sure that I'm not rude or 
nasty because I don't want to offend them to where they, they're going to flutter off. I want to make sure that uh, I'm not grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit. Like, if, I don't, if you don't want to hang around this place, then angels don't want to hang around this place either. We need angels. We need those, those guardians, those messengers. But in addition to them, there were the fallen ones. So you've got angels on your side, and then you've got demons that are fighting you. That, the, you, you okay? <laughs> I was like, what? So that's a reality too. If angels are a reality, then if God's a, if God's a reality, well, then his enemy is a reality too. Let's get back to that question that I asked. Why did these angels fall? Why did they, why did they get tempted away from being in God's presence? Now, Lucifer, well, let me read about him. This is Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Isn't that interesting language there? Who weakens the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Ding, 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 ding. There's your clue right there. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. This is Ezekiel 28, verse 12. The Son of Man, which is Jesus, take up lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, what is the sovereign, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, so... I don't have time to get into this, but the king of Tyre in this passage is a reference or illustration of Satan. And you'll see so in a second. It's going to make sense. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is what we're saying about the devil. He was the seal of perfection, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. A very precious stone adorned you. Carnelian, crystallite, emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis, lulus, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day that you were created. They were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all of your ways. From the days that you were created till the wilderness was to the wickedness that was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you from disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. 
So I threw you to the earth, and I made a spectacle of you before the kings. By your name, sins, and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out of you, and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes to the ground in the sight of all who were watching. Okay, so this is beginning and end. So Lucifer was a beautiful angel of light. And that's actually what Lucifer means, angel of light. He, he emanated light. He had like all of these jewels all over him. He sparkled. Kind of like Edward from the Twilight series. He was so dreamy and, and good looking. He is considered to be the clearinghouse of worship. Meaning that when his brother angels and all creation, the entire universe and all the rocks were crying out and, 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 and worshiping God, like giving God praise for who he is and that, and that awe and that wonder, uh, Lucifer was that, that vehicle of receiving the Lord's praise as, as if the praise of all creation came into his lungs and it emanated out of him. And so, like, Lucifer is basically one of our speakers. He, he amplified God's praise in the presence of God. And he wanted it. He wanted to become God Most High. He wanted to redirect all of that praise to himself. He liked the power that was pulsing through his being. And a third of the angels wanted that too. And so they were cast out of heaven. They were cast down. His raiment begins to change. He, he, he turns from this this beautiful, shining angel into a grotesque, deformed red dragon. And the other angels did so as well. And again, there's different kinds and different levels. And, and they're, they're all like it's like God's creation. Angels aren't just like white winged, you know, effeminate looking dudes. Like they're, they're diverse in, their, in how they've been created. They're diverse in their power. Yeah. One of, the, one of the strategies of the enemy is to assign a principality over a city, which meaning a, a very powerful demon. And likewise, we have angels that are assigned over our cities as well. Kind of weird stuff, right? But just hang with me, it's important. This is the big picture. There was a battle in heaven. Lucifer and his, this is just, this is so like brazen and it doesn't make sense to me. But Lucifer and his angels thought that they could defeat God in heaven. Like what arrogance is that? 
We know what happens in the Garden of Eden. I don't have time to get into that. We have a civilization that is born right after they leave the Garden of Eden, and mankind gets to heights that, that we don't quite understand and we don't really have a history for because the flood wiped them all out. We have chunks of it laying around all over the place, and we can't understand how they made stuff today. Before the flood, humanity was highly advanced and highly organized and also, most likely, extremely wicked. Not most likely, they were extremely wicked because God poured out his judgment upon them and cleansed the earth with water. And yet, at that moment, we have Noah and the ark, and they come, and they, the, the, the sons of Seth begin to reestablish society, hopefully with God in mind, and it gets tainted again, of course. And there's a moment in the, in the, in the Babylonian area, or in the, in the plain of Iraq, where man builds not a temple, but a tower. We might even have some archaeological evidence for something like this too. But they build a tower, and their intention was to build it so high that they could get to heaven so that even we could challenge God's authority. That, we can, that even we could evade heaven and destroy God. Like, that was, the, that was the intention of the Tower of Babel, and God's like, whoa, they, they, whoa, these guys are smart. Isn't that a weird thought to think about, that, that we could build something to challenge God? I have some weird theories about what the Tower of Babel actually was, is it... Uh, were they really trying to build a stairway up to heaven to get to, you know, knock on in? Or maybe it was something altogether different. Anyway, they attempted it. And God said, no, you're not coming up here. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to confuse your language so you guys can't organize like this again. All right, so what's the, what's the main point of all this? I want to invite you into a bigger picture of what's actually going on. That there are wars that are taking place in heavenly realms and dimensions that we don't see. Uh, there's battles taking place for the souls of humanity that we need to be concerned about. I mean, it's, it's like we don't see it. We don't know what's going on. Scriptures say that we do not wage war as the, war, the world does. We, we wage war in spiritual dimensions, in spiritual places. Our, our, our warfare is not of flesh and blood, but it is of spirit. So we don't really see what's going on. Now, I know that you guys all have problems. So let, me just, let me just bring this down to a very applicable digestible level. I know that you guys all have problems. I know that in this world you will have trouble, right? And what does, the, what does Jesus say? I know you're going to have trouble, but be encouraged. I have overcome this world. So in, now in your context, in your context, 
you are dealing with financial issues. You're dealing with relationship problems. You're dealing with old age and sickness. You're dealing with things that, 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 this, that bog you down, that completely consume your mind all the time, right? We get this. And I don't want to belittle your problems because your problems are real. And neither does Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to belittle your problems. And he does care. And he is there for you. And he wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. He wants to have reconciliation in your families and in your relationship. He wants to heal your marriage. And he wants to make your kids love you. That whole thing. So (laughs) he really does. He's, He's intimately concerned about your personal life. But the reason why Revelation... And the big picture is important is because in order for us to break free from the simple bondage of everyday life, in order for us to break free from that bondage, we need to get the big picture. Like there's a war going on. And here's the, here's the, the exciting thing about this is that God is calling us to participate. He is calling us into a purpose and into a mission that is bigger than ourselves, that is bigger than our own problems. It is a powerful perspective to take our gaze off of our own issues and to look up into heavenly places and to to be in awe and wonder like, oh my gosh, there's a war going on in heavenly places right now. I'm just so upset that I didn't get the garbage cans out on time. Right? Now, with that in mind, why did I bring up all this scary stuff with Satan? What was the original sin, everyone? It's pride. Pride and and jealousy and power, ego trip. And if Satan and if Lucifer and his cohorts, angels that have been worshiping the Lord for eon, we don't know how long, maybe even for an eternity, we don't know. Well, not eternity because Satan's a created being. If those guys fall prey to pride, do you know that we're susceptible to it too? So my goal is not to bash Satan My goal is to encourage you not to fall prey to pride. My goal is to say, look, if he can do it, you just need to be careful of the temptations of power. I mean, probably most of us aren't dealing with power right now. Like, you don't have somebody offering you a million dollars to, you know, whatever. That's probably not most of us. But it doesn't matter how much authority or influence or wealth that you have, every single one of us, no matter where we are at on, uh, you know, in our experiences, every single one of us will say, God, I want to run my life my way. The poorest of poor and the richest of rich, they all have this battle. God, I want to run my life my way. I want to be the God most high over my whole life. That's a scary, it's a scary place to be. 
Anybody can do that. Christians can deceive themselves in thinking that they have it all together, but in, in essence, they're still the gods of their own life. In order for us to be children of the God Most High, we have to, no one's going to like this word, we have to submit to His authority. Amen. Americans don't like to submit to anything. <laughs> the only one that's submitting in this church is my wife. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, I, she's, not, she's not here, so I guess that's what she gets. All right. Woo! That's on video. I'll have, uh, I'll have Luke edit that out. He'll edit it out. But we don't like it. We don't like, we don't like that idea. I have to submit. I don't want that. I have to lower myself. Look, if you don't lower yourself into the presence of God, you ain't getting in. Like, arrogance, last time I checked, is not a fruit of the Spirit. Boasting is not a fruit of the Spirit. Pride definitely is not a fruit of the Spirit. So there has to be this submission. I want to encourage you to submit to the Lord. And I know it's hard. I like, like People don't like doing it. And it's like, I, I don't know if I can do that. I would just say, read your Bible. Like, there's some very specific things. Look, there's things in the Bible that offend me. And yet... I'm like, this is the word of God. I have to submit to it. Even though I don't like it, I have to submit to it. We have to trust in the Lord. Like, trust is so hard. It's so hard. It's hard for Pastor Josh to trust, trust God. And I've seen angels. It's so hard for me to trust God at times. Sometimes I just want to do it on my own, Right? But I want to encourage you to put your faith and your trust in God. Yeah, I know you can do things on your own. You guys are all smart and extremely good looking. You can pull it off within your own power. But God, when he is invited in, when you put your faith and your trust in him and not your own abilities and your own power, well, then God can do amazing, miraculous things in your life. And finally, obedience is better than sacrifice. Like That pride led to a disobedience that led to a rebellion in heavenly places that we're still paying the consequences for. We're paying the consequences for a disobedience and a rebellion that took place. Again, who knows how long ago. Like We're, we're dealing with the effects of the first fall, the fall of Satan. Like, we're, like that... That mindset of being disobedient and rebellious, it's in us. And I, 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 we got to get it out. We at least have got to acknowledge that there's an, a, a, a rebellious, disobedient spirit that's part of all humanity. It's part of original sin. Obedience is a big deal for God. He says it's better than sacrifice. If you want to sacrifice a million dollars to the church, I'll take it. But obedience is better, right? Isn't that it's so hard to get? The widow with the with the with the might, that was an act of obedience. I don't want 
I don't like to obey. <laughs> just, just be honest. Like, this is, like, there's just parts of me I just don't want to obey. My parents didn't spank me enough or something. <laughs> if we could all just obey the Lord a little bit better, we will undo the curse of sin that's been ravaging humanity from the beginning. So we have to put away our pride. We have to put away our arrogance. We have to put away our ego. We have to, make, we have to check our intentions when we do things. Like, what, what is your intention in doing this? Well, because I want to get more likes. What's your intention in doing this? Oh, because I want to receive praise from people. What, what's your intention in doing this? Well, because if I do it, then I think that I'll become a better person. And maybe God will love me a little bit more. It's just obedience. You just do it because it's what God's called you to do and what God instructs. One more thought. And I get the band to come up to the front. When we worship, we are to be obedient, right? And we worship from a point of spirit and truth. And isn't it ironic that uh, the, the, um, the original worship leader was Lucifer? <laughs> Isn't that a strange thought to think about? Just think about the grasp that music has on our world. Like, it's a very powerful force, and, well, Satan runs it. Specifically in the form of K-pop bands. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So, when you worship, be obedient in that you are giving the Lord your praise. Amen? We don't want to ever fall into that trap where we're doing worship for the glorification of ourselves or for the mere entertainment value of the music. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what the devil was, t- he was tempted to. And I, I think that you know, if the church is not careful, we can do that same thing where we're funneling that praise for the glory of man and not the glory of God. So we're going to worship for the glory of God. Get your communion elements out. This is the Messiah's body. Isn't that cool? Like that Messiah in whom the, that dragon wanted to kill before it was born. He wanted to undo God's plan. Couldn't do it. This is Messiah's body. The Savior of the world. The King that will rule this planet once again with an iron scepter. With justice and righteousness. That is this body of Christ that we partake in. And this gets away all of our pride, strips away all of our arrogance, gets us into a right mindset with who Jesus is. Receive the body of Christ for your provision and your identity and your connection to the Lord.
In this cup is the forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of the Lamb's blood, there are no forgiveness of sins. This undoes every evil thing that the enemy of God and his minions have ever poured out on the earth. This is the answer. It's the answer to the big picture, but it's also the answer to the small picture, the little details that are driving you crazy in this life. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of innocent blood. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, making you new, a new creation today. Dad, come on up. You know, we started doing communion right every Sunday right after right after COVID. Every week, which is something that we didn't normally do because we didn't want to fall into a religious trap, but we really felt that we needed to be obedient because God wanted was asking us to do communion like this. To to bring us together as a community, to commune together, to sit at the Lord's table. I love this moment where we are close with Jesus and receiving his body and his blood. Now, this is really important. Did you know that the early church did communion differently than we do? They didn't do it in the sanctuary or in the temple. They did communion in little parties that they called love feasts. And there was fellowship involved. If you uh, take your cracker and drink your juice and you leave the church and you're not in fellowship, I'm just not quite sure if you're doing communion, if you're not connected to the body of Christ. So we're going to have a kid care luncheon right after this, right now. And I want you to view the kid care luncheon as a love feast is what the first early church would do. They would sit together, they would eat together, and they would remember what Jesus did for them, and they would uh, eat some bread and drink some wine. There's not going to be any wine out there. We can't do that. But it's a love feast. And if you haven't got your tickets to join us, join us. Pastor Larry. I'm going to, um, as I'm inviting you to come and join us, just right out here. We have plenty of food for everybody. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, that's okay. We made, we made plans for you to come. It is this money that you're going to be spending. You're going to be eating lunch anyway, so why not use it to, to feed a hungry kid in Africa, to take care of our local kids here, to, to reach around the world and do something special uh, with, with, with what you're doing. But, but do, please come and let it be fellowship, not, not just a well, I'm going to go eat something, but let it be fellowship and, and, and meet people that you don't normally get to, a chance to sit and talk to. This series that Pastor Josh is doing is, it is so timely. Uh, I, I hope we get through before the rapture takes place. And I'm also asking God one thing, that when the rapture takes place, I'm not in Costco. Because... Right. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'll be in the rhyme of set, set of mind to, to be taken up. Uh, anyway, anyway, you know, 
as, as Pastor Josh was talking about, about the birth, the birth of the church, see, the local church is the hope of the world. I, I, I love the evangelistic associations, Billy Graham and, and all that he did and all of the revivals, not the revivalists down through history, but they weren't the local church. Christian television, Christian radio is, 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 is good, but they're not the local church. It doesn't say that, 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 that the, the, the lady, the woman was giving birth to a television station. She was giving birth to the church. And without the local church going on, there really is no hope. And that's the reason that when we take tithes and offerings, that realize that this goes to the local church. Your, your tithe does not go to, to outside organizations like, like television. If you're sending your tithe to a television station or to World Vision or even to, to Kid Care, it, it goes to the church. Your offerings can go to those other organizations, and they should. If you want the mark of God on your finances, you have to do it God's way. You can't rebel against God and expect God to bless your finances. And so I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll come to the front. And we're going to receive the, the offering uh, for, to, to go to this church. Because if this church didn't exist, can you imagine what a rough place our, our, our community would be? This church is important. In about five or six weeks from now, this auditorium is going to be full of, of kids that are, that are coming in. And we're going to be giving them kid packs and toys and the police department is going to be here the fire department is going to be here uh, the city officials are going to be here they're going to be here because this church this church this church is standing behind a, a, an outside ministry called kid care international and it's supporting it also and so when you're giving in to, to this church you are reaching out to the world that's lost and dying you know a lot of times people say, well, it's my money. I'll send it where I want it to go. God says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. Vehicles like television, Kid Care International, World Vision, they're just the trucks that deliver. That's all they are. But the storehouse is where the tithe goes. Amen. So I just want to encourage you, check that area of obedience in your life. Let God bless your finances. The season that we're going into, trust me, you want God's blessings on your finances. You really, really want God's blessings on your finances. We are seeing the rise of, of a one-world monetary system, and you want God to show you how to navigate through these things. And so I just want to, to encourage you, as you're giving to the Lord, give the Lord boldly, with great confidence, and don't hold back from God. Don't rob from God. That tenth is God's. It's God's. It belongs to Him. He doesn't, doesn't ask for a vote. Do I want to keep it? Do I want to, to, to send it someplace else? Storehouse. Storehouse. So, Father, bless this offering now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that your blessings on it, that this church will, will continue to grow be that strong witness in 
this neighborhood that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who paid the price for our sins, is being well represented. Bless this offering now, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 So God bless you as you give to the Lord this morning and returning to him. Uh, we have a little video that we put together. Some of you don't know exactly what Kid Care is. And uh, so we have a video we put together, and I'll, we'll get through it very quickly. I know that you're starving to death, and you want some of that really, really great lasagna that we got out there. And uh, so we want, I want you to watch this video first. Two thousand and twenty two has been a year of miracles for Kid Care International. We started decades ago by simply feeding hungry families and individuals at local parks and distressed neighborhoods. Our people would simply make homemade breakfast burritos and hand them out with a warm smile and a loving care. Soon we had a long line of disenfranchised people showing up and needing the love and the concern from what would later be known as Kid Care volunteers. Kid Care International is a humanitarian aid organization designed to obviously care for kids. My name is Larry Kapczynski. I'm the founder of Kid Care. The name Kid Care International came about on a train trip from Moscow to Siberia, Russia. I had been in a August summer camp for Russian orphans in the Ural Mountains. The children all looked normal but had no shoes. The director told me that winter was coming and, obviously, his kids had no shoes. Right then and there on the spot, I promised him, I'll be back before winter with brand new shoes for everyone. Returning to the USA, I shared my promise with my friends and they all stepped up big time. And in a couple of months, they sent me back to Siberia with hockey bags full of brand new shoes. It was on that Siberian bound train and with those shoes that I felt God wanted me to keep doing that, to keep caring for kids around the world, and thus the name Kid Care International. Over the years, we have grown into an agency that has reached numbers of the most difficult spots and disadvantaged people around the world, as well as here at home. Partnering with other agencies, we sent well over 30 40-foot containers of relief supplies. We sent containers of food that even we had the U.S. Navy airdrop some of Kid Care's immediate relief. In the past 30 years, I've been to a lot of refugee camps in war-torn countries, but nothing comes close to the horrors of Ukraine. This war has reminded all of us that the world is still in a very volatile place. Kid Care responded to the refugee crisis by sending two 40-foot containers of food, clothing, and medicine. We partnered with a relief agency in Baia Maria, Romania, to receive and to administer delivery to the refugee camps and to the emergency hotspots. Back in Africa in 2022, with the help of a longtime friend who owned a vacant school, complete not only with classrooms and dormitories, but kitchen, cafeteria, land for gardening, and even a soccer field helped Kid Care start the Unawiza Vocational Training School. In Swahili, Unawiza means you can. On August the 13th, we saw the first graduation class of 50 students complete the safari driving, plumbing, electrical, beauticians, and clothing design school. Kid Care International Representative De Reagan Schmaltz was there along with numbers of community leaders and government officials and there to encourage these graduates. 
Even a Maasai warrior group showed up to dance and celebrate this day. One of the really great and fun events of 2022 was the Jogathon fundraiser at Benelli Park in April. Kid Care Visionary said, we can do this. We can raise funds to support the outreach of Kid Care. And thanks to Patricia Lynn's hard work and the labor of the, so many volunteers, we had many families and individual runners join with us as we raised about $25,000 for our programs. Our volunteers were there before daybreak for an event that would change the destiny of some children on the other side of the world. And as always, the Kid Care Food Bank is there to serve. Rain, shine, holiday, no matter what, the food bank is there to serve. This far in 2022, the Kid Care International Food Bank locally has served 216,132 meals. Sylvia and Gary's work team is always there no matter what. Each box of groceries that is passed out is worth about $150. And the numbers of boxes that we passed out brings our total to almost a million dollars worth of groceries that we have passed out. I want to say thanks to all the volunteers that give so much all of the time, every week at the food bank, packing the containers that we ship internationally, rounding up food and clothing from friends and neighbors who might own businesses. It's volunteers like you that make Kid Care what it is. It's been a year of miracles, and why? Because people like you care. You care for children internationally. You know, before COVID wiped everything out on the face of the earth, <laughs> we used to have a little, little water bottles out in the front. And I, one day I just said, hey, do me a favor. Sacrifice a cup of Starbucks just, just, just one day a week. And, and instead of giving it to Starbucks, drop it in here and let us feed a kid uh, with, with, with your cup of coffee that, that you sacrificed. Well, I know that most of you didn't sacrifice the coffee. I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, we're going to have these water bottles out from now on uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, come in, maybe bring your change in, drop in uh, a few dollars uh, to, to feed a kid during the week. You know, we have a great, great opportunity in front of us. And we get a chance to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Jesus said that pure and undefiled religion is taking care of widows and orphans. You know, when you love Jesus, you love what he loves. He loves his church. He loves this thing called the bride. And he is so excited about it. And you, my friends, are the church. Be aware how excited Jesus is about you. Let him bless you as you bless other people around you. So would you stand with me? And we're going to pray a blessing over the food now. And uh, if you enjoyed Landon's song today, um, he's going to be out here singing for us some more. So we're going to have a good party out here. It's going to be a kid care party, a lot of fun. We have a raffle. We're going to give away a 50-inch television. We're going to give away a whole bunch of fun things. And so it's just a party. Come celebrate. Have a good time. And uh, so, Father in heaven, we thank you that you are love. You don't have love. You are love. And we want to receive you. And we want to be your hands and the feet 
We want to love throwaway children. We want to love people that around our world that, are, that, are, that people will say, we don't want anything to do with you. God, we thank you for this church and the vision of this church. We thank you for your word that says to tell us to, to get ready because you are coming back. You are coming back for a church that is going to be victorious. And we are here to be the church victorious. We pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Just join us out here right now. I am free. I am free. Elder Slauson, I love